before we get into this week's episode, I just felt it important to acknowledge that this weekend, people all over the country protested the police murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Aubrey, and so many other black people. The police in most of those places met peaceful protesters with horrific violence and that black lives matter. Um, I don't think my normal pitch or promo is necessary this week. It might not be necessary for a while. Um, I hope that listening to this interview brings you any respite if it can. And if not, I get that too, but I didn't want to not say anything and I didn't want to do my usual spiel. So Black Lives Matter. Moving on to this week's episode. It's with the incredible Bretzo and America Online at AOL.com. They are good friends of mine, really funny, insightful, and intelligent humans who uh, perform burlesque and use the power of comedy to entertain folks all over. I hope you can enjoy this. And if not, I get that too. But uh, this is my interview with the incredible Bretzo and America Online at AOL.com. Cheers. quick little like hand touch because I have the habit of over talking everyone. You? Pretzo? Really? Shut Never. It just seems so unlike you. Wait, what? <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, uh, Bretzo and America Online at AOL.com, thank, thank you, you for joining me on Autographs. Thank you for having us. Um, thank you. I will start by saying that, America, I love your name because the first time I heard it, which I think was at Nerdlesque Fest, was the oh. first show we worked together, which is Ooh. which is funny because I think you had come to shows with Brezzo before you had started performing, and I might have met you, but I know I for sure met you when you did your Porg Act, and my my favorite thing is that when they announced you, I just went, I'm sorry, what? What was that mean? <laughs> Yep. And then and and then I, I I talked to another performer I can't remember who it might have been Victor actually who was like no you have to say the whole name you like, have to say the that's full the thing. point yeah. like you can't just say AOL that's not that's not the name the name yeah. is and and like I looked up your page online to see how I'm going to put it in the text of the title of the episode because you also type it out very specifically a certain way which I think is hilarious yeah. That's that's for good reason. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely for good reason because um, America Online found me, and they're like, <laughs> they issued a cease and desist. But the loophole is if you have an email, you're inter- you're advertising an email, so they can't get me there. <laughs> ah, fascinating! Of all the people to get a cease and desist from. <laughs> I just, I think that's lovely. That's that's how my dad found out I did burlesque, because the um, letter went to his house, and he was just like, what the (laughs) fuck is this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's just like, what does this mean? (laughs) That's amazing. Um, So I guess let's start and assume that the folks listening haven't heard of either of you. So if both of you individually want to take a shot at like giving yourself a small introduction what you do where you're based out of the kind of shows you put on that kind of thing and then go from there yeah uh, uh hi in me bretzo uh sorry <clears throat> hi me mr the amazing bretzo um self-described president of philadelphia burlesque 
Uh, I've been doing burlesque in Philadelphia and a few other cities uh, for roughly 10 years. I've been a part of the scene for about 10 years, uh, performing for about nine and a half-ish. Uh, my first year only had about three performances, uh, but I was part of a production team. Um, so had some my foot in the water kind of expanded beyond there. Uh, within my first three years of burlesque, uh, Philadelphia's burlesque scene like quadrupled. And mm -hmm. I instantly went from being like the new kid on the block to being like the old guard. <laughs> and that is a very odd shift um, because people are like, oh, you're new too. And I'm like, no, I've been doing this for four years. And then it's like, once you're at like six years, they're like, oh, you're brand new. I'm like, no, I've been doing this for six years. Um, so I've gone from being a door person uh, at, a at a monthly show when there was only about three <laughs> monthly shows in all of Philadelphia. And that's it. Um and then to a uh, competition kind of cycle circuit. Uh, then there was uh, my own productions I started doing. Uh, my first solo production was a uh, burlesque show based on Arrested Development. Amazing. Which came out the month and uh, that the new uh, Netflix series came out, version of it. So kind of uh, hit that zeitgeist. Uh, then from that, uh, went into uh, doing weekly shows. Uh, and that's kind of where the pause button hit. <laughs> oh, now it's my turn. Okay. I'm America Online at AOL.com. I started in late 2017, so almost, I've been doing this for almost three years now. And I started in a competition called Philadelphia Burlesque Battle Royale, which is a eight-week competition where you just um, do different burlesque prompts for eight weeks over and over and over with the chance to win... $500. So I started there and then I slowly got known for my shit posting online and design work. <laughs> and uh, I was offered to co-produce a weekly burlesque show because of that. <laughs> so I've been co-producing a weekly burlesque show for the past two years sans quarantine, but yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, and so like I'm, I, I know that I met Bretzo, I think, before we ever worked together. Mm -hmm. um, but for those who maybe are tuning into this for the first time, I was a producer, um, am a DJ, and had hosted Burlesque uh, in the past. I've scaled back my DJing just in time for it all to come to an end anyway. So, you know, yeah, there's that. But um, but while I know that I had met Bretzo through the, the Philadelphia scene before we worked together, the first show we ever worked together on was Metropolis Burlesque's very first BoJack Horseman show. I was trying to um, remember that, too. Oh, that was the first? I was there. Yeah, you were there. Yes. Yeah, I was there. You were in the audience. And, like, it was, I believe it was at the Slipper Room. It yes. was. It was. And so I remember about a week out from the show, I was DJ. I was kittening as Todd because they had the Slipper Room has a DJ. Mm -hmm. And I was kittening as Todd. And you emailed me and went, hey, so I'm doing a Mr. Peanut Butter Act and I'm using the VO from the episode where he hosts the Oscars and loses his phone. And I'm going to chase it into the crowd. Do you want to chase it with me? And like my, there were stars in my eyes. I was so excited. And I was Aww. like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and like, we've done that act several times, but I think that first night is probably yeah. still my favorite time that we've done it because we literally terrorized that entire audience and it was perfect. Oh yeah. And also the, my favorite thing too, is I 
couldn't get my phone out of its case before the, sh- the number started. <laughs> so I was kicking my actual phone on the floor. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> no. I think I think we've done it several times since then, and you have mm-hmm. since just used a phone case. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. I recall. Which, I recall that first performance we were kicking around uh, your phone. Clearly has on the back of it a sticker I, I put out on a printable sticker thing that says, Hi, at me, Bretzo. And someone's <laughs> like, I think this is your phone case. And I'm like, does it say Bretzo? And they're like, oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but, like, it was that kind of sense of humor. And then, like, even meeting America much later on, um, your porg face is unlike any other facial performance I've seen in Berlin. Um, because not only are you wearing a hood that has a porg face, you are also the entire time making the porg face, uh, which is which is just delightful. Um, so I guess my first question, talking about these kinds of acts, is obviously you're inspired by pop culture a lot and comedy for sure. Was that always the goal from the start of Burlesque is to lean into the comedic kind of pop culture side of it? Or did you kind of just fall into that? Um, for me, yeah, no, absolutely. When I first started to see Burlesque, I was like, I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. And it was just not the level of fun bullshit that I wanted. So <laughs> I decided to bring the fun bullshit with me. What about you, Bretzo? I mean, like when I started back in like, uh, the 2010s, um, the 20 teens, the aughts. Um, I kind of like looked at what was happening. Some people sent me a few uh, clips uh, of other perform of other male identified performers mm-hmm. um, because that was kind of what it was in Philly. Like there was maybe one other, and there was obviously uh, guys doing it back in the 70s and early 80s. But there was mainly the hosts of shows were doing it. Um, from the Peekaboo Review, uh, Joey Martini and Count Scotula, they would do burlesque during their numbers, but it wouldn't be like a solo. It would be like during the hosting part or with a duet. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's, I only really saw comedic. Um, and then just straight off my body type, um, there was like, there's a certain thing where if you have a six pack or an eight pack, you can do sexy and people just go, <laughs> that's sexy. But, uh, I have like a permanent like beer belly, like my body is built like a Simpsons character, <laughs> where I just have a constant like mini gut. Even at my like Simpsons bod, yeah, Simpsons bod. Uh, like even my at my skinniest, at my like lethest, um, I just have this little little belly and booty. So for some reason, I've just kind of that's like my. My default. Uh, I've, it's what I did in high school. It's like, I may not have been the class clown, but I was the guy writing the jokes for the class clown. <laughs> I'd, I'd say something at a, at a lower volume, and then they would say it louder, get in trouble. And then the class would be like, but you said it first. And I'm like, I know. That's why I'm not in trouble. But no, I'd always kind of defaulted to comedy. Um, but it is nice when I've done numbers that are straight up sex appeal. Um, actually from Victor's, uh, episode, we mentioned, uh, listening to it, uh, he is my vice president, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that if you can make somebody, uh, want to fuck you for five minutes on stage, that's like more powerful. And I've gotten so many of those like slightly backhanded compliments, question mark. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah, there's there's a person in particular, I think I've told you about, that said that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. Um, was just like, oh, god damn, Bretzo. Uh, 
Like, not right now, but those five minutes when you were on stage, I had to remember that I was married. Like, that kind of, like, compliment. Like, oh, thank you. Thanks, I guess. Yeah. yeah I, I, I in, in all the years that I hosted, like, I, I often did self-deprecating humor because mm-hmm. I grew up as a nerd, and that's mm-hmm. our MO. Yeah. Um, and the one time I performed, I also, I did a lip sync uh, at our Panic at the Disco show by our, I mean, uh, Magical Girl Burlesque, who I used to produce with. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I got off stage, one, a person in the audience went, oh my God, Matt, I never thought of you as sexy, but during that act, I sure did. And I was like, uh, thanks, I guess. Thanks. I mean, so, like, basically, like, I think it boils down to their, like, you did the thing you ach- you're you looking to achieve, you achieved right. it. Right. Um, and so, like, you you shatter their expectations of you. Um, yeah. Because for, for me, it's always just, like, I'm the comedy guy. It's like, I've been on, in, in my career, on so many shows or literally... Mm-hmm. I feel like the only reason I'm there is as the comic relief. Like okay. this is a super serious show, but you're going to come out as the uh, the guy handing out candy canes. <laughs> but like, also, I think also the uh, idea of confidence in anything that you do, even if it's just like a bullshit like comedic number, and there's this mm-hmm. sexiness and like complete confidence, like uh, Sharp Robert doing like his Cobra Commander act. Oh yeah. Where it's like a bullshit act, or a Dr. Manhattan act, for example, where he plays life on Mars as Dr. Manhattan. And it's just like a very silly bullshit number, but you're like, wow, like, yes, the aura coming from you is like this powerfulness. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like that's something that burlesque uh, carries and does really well. I feel like Mm -hmm. as long as you believe in what you're doing, like... I've seen plenty of acts that seem improvised or seem like you've lost track. And like even when, Bretzo, you're doing an act where it's a bit that you've dropped something or you've lost something, it I wouldn't say it's inauthentic, but it does feel part of the show. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. that must f- give you a certain level of confidence also because you're like, well, I ha- at least at this point, you have a reputation. So if you screw something up, if you play it off as a gag... yeah. Who's going to know? Which I think is which is always kind of fun and something that comedy and pop culture lends better to than the sexy act. If you screw up a reveal mm-hmm. on a sexy act, you can still recover, but it's harder because there's a level of seriousness to that that doesn't exist in a comedy act. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, speaking of Metropolis Burlesque, uh, I've done at their show and a few other shows a serial number, uh, including mm-hmm. my own show, Serial mm-hmm. uh, Figus from Archer. And, like... He has this, like, he goes from being, like, super confident to being, like, nebbish, like, so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you mess up something, it's it's all part of the act, kids. Like, <laughs> like it's all part of the sh- show, folks. Like, I'm supposed to do this. Um, but I always, like, try to, if I do something like that, and, like, somebody gives that, like, laughing, like, approval of, like, oh, I see what you did there. Try to do like a little turn, like wink and nod, like right. Yeah, <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? Yeah, I think that's super important when you're doing those kinds of acts. Um, do you guys have a favorite theme that you've done so far? I know you both have been in a variety of themed acts, from Comic Con shows to um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit to, <laughs> to all all of the like, just all of these different ridiculous shows that I've actually been in a bunch, and a lot of have been with Metropolis Burlesque also who I used to DJ for quite frequently. Um, but do you have 
a favorite theme or show to create for um, or something that you haven't done maybe that you want to create for? So I have two. One okay. is because I love Bjork so much. <laughs> <laughs> so much. And I was a part of a Bjork-lesque show and it was the best experience ever just being a part of this like group of nerds. And then my second one is uh, the D20 slash fiction show where mm. I was J. Jonah Jameson mm-hmm. hot and horny for Spider-Man. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> photos of that act, and it makes me angry how brilliant it is. Because, like, in my head, I just hear J. Jonah when I see you performing this act. Bless you. Yeah, it's a mixture of uh, pictures of you by The Cure and photographed by Weezer. So just <laughs> mash in all the... And, and quotes from the movie. <laughs> and quotes from the movie, because... I have Because J.K. Simmons. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. It doesn't matter. He will always be. That was one of the best parts of the uh, the Far From Home. Uh, when they bring him back. Yeah. They're just like, we can't get anyone better. And he's like, I'm not wearing the toupee. And they're like, great, shoot it. Bring Literally, it. Do my it. DMs were full of like, you gotta see Spider-Man. Stay towards the <laughs> end. Nudge, <laughs> nudge. Yeah, I, I never am vocal in a movie theater. I like to keep my voice down and behave mm-hmm. in a movie theater unless otherwise instructed. But I literally, when that scene happened, I went... Oh no! Like I just lost it. Like I lost <laughs> yes. control of my body. I was just yes. so excited. It yes. was it was very good. Uh, what about you, Brett? So some favorites from over the years of themes. Um, was well, speaking of uh, speaking in theaters, uh, one of my favorite themes that I've only done once uh, was a Metropolis show. They did a Mystery Science Theater three thousand mm-hmm. uh, yeah. number show, and in it. Um, I think it was my third of three shows I'd done with them in a row. Uh, <laughs> like, it was something where they, they had the Archer show, so they're like, we want to bring you back for that. And then they had another show, and they're like, well, you submitted a really good number, so we usually don't do two people in, like, two months in a row, uh, unless they're local, like, out-of-towners, that's that's unheard of. And then they're like, the third one was MSC3K, and they're like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Like, we're in. Um, <laughs> so I proposed a number as the master from one of the worst movies of all time, Manos, The Hands, of, the Fate. hands of Fate. Yep. Uh, I set it to, I did a shorter version of the song, because I think it's about eight minutes long, of Master mm-hmm. of Puppets. Yes. Um, found a version on YouTube where the bassist Cliff, uh, rest in peace, was remixed in Louder. Because Lars Ulrich had a habit of turning the bass down, the bass the huh. basses down in all the mixes. Really? Oh yeah, no, because he wanted his drums to be the driving force of the band. Fucking course. It's also of why, course. like, why, like in Metalocalypse, there's a joke that Murderface's bass is turned down because all <laughs> all, all the time, yeah, yeah, all metal, they're just like fuck the bassists, <laughs> but literally, <laughs> but literally, don't fuck the bassist. Fuck any of no. the other members. The bassist doesn't get any play. Uh, but no, so I found a mix of that kind of shortened it mixed it in the beginning of it with a bunch of uh sound cues as torgo the uh the, the groundskeeper yeah uh with the uh the goat legs um started the number off as him and then he it's his theme just kind of drags out much like the mm-hmm. story does um and <laughs> i started the number for about a minute and a half as torgo i walk this is also at the slipper room walk off the stage, 
go backstage, completely change my costume. I have a few bits of costume underneath, and um, come back out during a guitar solo when they start ch- when they start chanting "Master, Master" yeah. as the master. Um, to his credit, uh, Mochismo, who was hosting the show, um, was riffing on all the acts, and I was like, "Mo, <laughs> Amazing. you can just riff." Like, you just tear me a new one on riffs because I'm going to be off stage for, like, a solid minute and a half, maybe two minutes if I miss my cue, which I did. Oh, no. Well, I had to come back on the on time, so I had to wait to the next, like, restart of the, like, the, the count. Yeah. Um, so when I came back out and the light and, and are going, they're, like, strobes everywhere, fog, I come back out as the master, and the audience, which is all there because they love uh, the theme of uh, Mr. Shine State 3, uh, MST3K just loses it because I come back out. They're like, holy shit, you made the movie feel like... Real time. Th- real time. I, I made it, you made it, I mean, somehow, I wanted to make it feel like a two and a half hour movie in five minutes. And uh, one of my uh, idols uh, in, in Boylesque, uh, Brief Sweat, was in the audience, like in his regular, real life, like Clark Kent secret person disguise and was like holy shit man you did it you made that movie happen and i didn't recognize him so i was just like thanks stranger (laughs) (laughs) thanks kind stranger i appreciate your compliment that's amazing yeah i remember the first time i ever watched manos it was the mst3k version of course you have to (laughs) even that Mm -hmm. version feels long like that movie never doesn't feel long so if you can convey that in a long-ish burlesque act. I mean, that's that's the goal. That's that's what you want to do. Um, my next question, actually, since we talked about a music music quite a bit, is when you're constructing new acts, do you start with the theme and then find a song to fit it? Do you start with the song and go, I have to do something to this song? Or does it depend on the act? Um, it depends on the act. Mostly I have, like, a Spotify, like, playlist of, like, oh, like, these are songs you might like. And I just, like go through a bunch of songs like this hit like skip 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 and like oh this sounds great i want to make a whale act to this or like <laughs> <laughs> a star trek voyage home act that this makes sense to me and then i'll like message back to be like hey i got a great idea please listen to me for like five minutes <laughs> about this idea that is one of my favorite things is editing songs for her um because it's like when i edit songs for myself it could take six hours of editing to get it right. Uh, right. But when I'm editing a song for somebody else, I have like a sort of deadline. And especially with America, I can just ask her, like, how does this sound? Do you want this to go this way? Like, should I cut this weird interlude out or keep it in? Like, do you want to have more pauses? Do you want to have like a build up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's definitely helpful. Like, because you're here all the time and we can work together on <laughs> everything. So it's really nice to have like a supportive person that knows exactly what you're doing and what you're going through. Yeah. So yeah, we just bounce. Yeah. For, for my songs, um, it generally comes from like, very rarely do I have an idea where it's just like, this is the song. Um, mm-hmm. And when it is, it's like, it's a more generalized number. I don't think I, most of my numbers that are based off of a song are, it's the costume that really does it. It's not like a reference to anything. 
Um, and then, because then the song kind of like becomes the character. Um, a suggestion that America did was I had to do a number for an apocalypse show, um, and I couldn't think of any songs. She suggested the Talking Heads. Um, nothing but flowers. Nothing but flowers. Um, and from that, I was just like, "Oh, we have a ton of hair flowers here. Like I can base this number off of that." Yeah, I have like a habit of just again just dicking through Spotify and just like, "Oh, this song would be perfect for like, oh, Waterloo by ABBA. You could do a Napoleon act from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Perfect." I just like write these things down. <laughs> just have like a little catalog of like when people are like. I'm having trouble today, and I'm like, I got you. Yeah, like, or I have a, I have a, a number from uh, from Beck. It's a album, Midnight Vultures, mm -hmm. which is his like most Prince inspired album. Oh, it is. Uh, right. Yeah. For sure. There's a song at the end of the album called Deborah. It's like a crooner song, and that number it's just based off of that. Um, that actually is the first time I used bananas in a number. And that's literally because there's a part of the song that goes like a fruit that's ripe for the picking. And I was like, ooh, time for a banana joke. Flash forward three years later, that's like a branding thing. Uh, but no, most of my other numbers just come from the character. And then I have to figure out a song that fits the character. Um, so like my Judge Doom number, um, I was like, what would be the, the dumbest number I'm dying I'm melting. Boom. Done. I'll stop the world and I'll melt for you. I'll melt yeah. with you. Yeah. I'll melt with you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that, that, when that song played, I just got mad because it was so good. And like, <laughs> that's the biggest compliment is like, because I'm DJing the show. So obviously I hear the tracks in advance and I, yeah, yeah. I, I'll play through them just to make sure that there are no corruption issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, I heard that and, and, and knew what you were doing and went, God damn it. That son of a bitch. That's brilliant. How dare he? I mean, there's um, the, the first couple of times I've done that number, uh, I've had people tell me, like, so when the cartoon sound effects kick in, I thought you were just going to do a number to cartoon sound effects <laughs> for, for five minutes. And I was like... It's on brand. You know, I was like, hmm, I'm going to take that idea and just write it down. You have done a burlesque act to nothing. Oh, I did, actually. Uh, I did a show where um, it was the... Uh, much, I think you've mentioned in your show before the the ability in burlesque to call each other stupid idiots and uh -huh. use it as the most like highest compliment. Uh, yep. There was a show I was in. It was like put together really quickly uh, by Honey Tree Evil Eye uh, and Flirt Vonnegut here in Philly. Uh, it was called the Stupid Idiot Show. Um, I personally like to take that those two words and smash them together. A portmanteau of stupid idiot. Um, <laughs> Amazing. So. I couldn't figure out what to do, and I wanted to do the dumbest thing I could possibly think of. So I put out a, like a poll up on Facebook, and as a joke, I was like, stare into the void. That one won. Yeah. So, so for <laughs> it like, was 2016. For like 2016 is, is, is a time. Um, so for about three minutes, I just kind of like stared off into the audience. Um, and luckily, uh, at the time, before he retired, Sharp Robert was there, and he's like, let me be your void. I will give you back the energy that you need to have to echo back. Um, so I just kept on, like, stripping to, like, to, to silence. It was... Wait, both like, of you stripped to silence. And then, yeah, I started, and then he started. And, because, you know, sometimes when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Right. Um, 
so that was like the bit and it was just like people were just like uh, like shocked appalled clapping and just being like not knowing how to feel and just being like oh the emotion is like took it was one of those things where um you're making this sound like an art piece it was it, it was hashtag <laughs> this is art. high concept um but no like it so was one high of, concept. it was one of those things where like the um the thickness of the air in the room like you could feel it yeah so the tension at we had to cut it so it's like how do you cut it you like you know you use all the skills you have but, but in complete silence yeah i mean i mean i do say that a lot and i mean i get all of that uh brilliance from nasty canasta who mm-hmm. was the first person i heard call someone brilliant a stupid asshole or a stupid idiot because it's a compliment but and there's a lot of high art burlesque but her she has an act i don't think she does it anymore but she used to perform to like three minutes of car alarm sound. Yes. Yeah. And and like once I saw that, I went, "Oh, I get it now. You're an idiot, and I love you." Like it's just, it's just. Also, growing up in New York, it's like you hear it all the time. So for mm-hmm. someone to actually do a classical burlesque act to a looping series of car alarm sounds is mm-hmm. like. Okay, yeah, we, I uh, get it now. We watched that on video, and even with like, yeah, despite. Scratch what I just said about having to be in person to, see, to experience something. We could still feel the tension from that. Yeah. And it's like, I think everyone has heard that style of car alarm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was um, like a curriculum video that we had to watch during our burlesque battle royale of like, it was, I think, for narrative week or something. Oh, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, we saw that video of her, and I was like, "Holy shit, who is this person? I, I'm a baby burlesker. Who is this magical human being, Nasty Canasta?" And then I went down a hole of a nasty hole. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I feel like she'd appreciate that joke, or hit me. Either way, I'm, I'm <laughs> both. Both, yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, when. So you you both have been doing burlesque long enough that you must have a catalog of acts. And like mm-hmm. if a specific theme comes up, obviously you'll go back to the well for that. But do you find more often than not you're creating new acts for stuff or you're reusing acts that you have? Because I know there are some performers who just, you know, have a rotation of five to ten acts and just mm-hmm. use that rotation and stick to that. There are other performers who are creating constantly new stuff for every new show or every new theme. Do you find that you are one or the other or a mix of both? Uh, I definitely create for most shows in Philly. There's not really not much of a, we can't really repeat acts too much because it's mostly the same mm-hmm. audience. So it's pretty quick and there's everything's theme. So I have to create a bunch of new acts like pretty often. Yeah. I think at one point I looked at iTunes for all of the songs that have the word Bretzo in the title. Yeah. Cause I tend <laughs> as a DJ for burlesque shows, I tend to use the, my, you know, uh, the method of like you put your name in the title of the song like i don't right. care i don't care that the rolling stones actually sang the song initially i need to know what your name is it's brett though yeah not that i do a rolling stones song um but <laughs> so i i looked through that and there was like well over like 50 to 100 and that's just like in the past six years yeah um it, basically it's you know there, i've done shows where i come up with the number once i never do it again um I was in a uh, Will Ferrell show. Like what? 
Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, not Will Ferrell, but Will, Will Ferrell. He's <laughs> sorry, he's the uh, the singer from the Black Eyed Blackened Eyed Peas. Blackened Eyed Peas. Go away. <laughs> no, uh, Will Ferrell show, and I did it as um, uh, what's his name, uh, the singer. The singer. The, the, he does it. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Robert singer? Goulet. Okay. Goulet. I did yeah. a Robert Goulet number. I've done that number once. Like, but <laughs> why would you ever do that again? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's something where, but I use. I have a lot of costume pieces that can be repurposed. Um, yeah, for same. that. So I just was like, all right, I gotta wear um, two suits. Done this I, time. Just only two. Um, so I did that once. At, or you know, I have um, one of my first burlesque numbers, uh, number two, PB Herman's performance of tequila that one i've done uh probably 20 30 times in the past 10 years um some cases like if i'm doing it for an audience that is my first time at that particular show or i know the audience is going to be different i'll bring out a classic like that or my indiana jones devo number like that i, I know they're going to grab onto it from the character versus just like I'm doing that Deborah number from Beck. Like, because one, it doesn't sound like Beck's voice. So mm -hmm. it's like, no one's going to go off that's not a fan and go, oh, that's Beck. Like, this guy in a suit who pulls a banana and some juicy fruit out of his suit is, this is great. Like, so I feel like there's <laughs> times, there's times where I, I have it. to, like, win an audience over. So I'll use something they can latch onto. Right. Um, and hell, even, uh, I've done a number, uh, I mentioned earlier my serial figus number uh i had to do a performance where i took that performance and stripped out all of the references to him and it's to a they might be giants song of course so i got to re repurpose that uh the song spy uh got to repurpose that song and just do it straight up as a spy and i kind of of course had to use uh, an anchor point of spy versus spy I mean, of course, how could you not, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, since both of you create within pop culture so much, uh, seemingly more so than other places, are you able to enjoy other media without dissecting it into burlesque? Or does everything you play, watch, listen to get filtered through, could this be burlesque? Uh, most definitely it does. Like Everything could potentially be burlesque, but like right now... I'm starting to disassociate from that more and more where like before video games, soundtracks and whatnot would be strictly for burlesque and making weird art. And now it's just going toward other art that I do of like illustration and design. And so I'm definitely kind of pivoting where my creativity is going. I mean, I uh, went to school for film, so I've very long in my life, deconstructed everything so it's it's very rare for me to watch something and not be like all right so this is going to come back in the third act um i kind of a lot of my filtering of, of media definitely goes into like structure um so it's just a matter of like readapting it for something yeah absolutely i mean <laughs> i mean it could be like you know i might readapt something i see or view um as like a fan drawing, you know, mm -hmm. or, sure. um, 
it might be inspired that way. Like, you know, I might watch uh, an Andy Coffin performance and be like, ooh, how do I take this and turn it into burlesque? How do I take that particular energy and just mm-hmm. transport that into burlesque? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like whenever you're pursuing any kind of art or working on any kind of project, it's impossible to completely turn that off. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I burned out on streaming early on before I went back to it in the last few years. When I mm. tried it, when I first tried it when Twitch was new, I like got in my head about it and was like, well, I can't play any of these games because I need to save them for when I stream. And mm-hmm. it ended up burning me out because I would put this pressure on myself to play certain games and do certain things. And now that I've found... Like, oh, I can enjoy whatever I want, but if there's something I haven't played that's in my backlog, I might as well pull it forward and see if I can play it now or I want to share it with my audience. And, like, I mean, we've been connected on and off on the internet for a while, but we reconnected recently because I played Alan Wake on stream. Mm -hmm. I just finished it today as of when we're recording. And, like, you were both so excited that I was playing this game I'd never played before. And that kind of energy just kind of pushes you. And I feel like even when we're not necessarily going out of our way to create stuff, if we Mm -hmm. find stuff that we love or that other people love and share an enjoyment in, it only enhances those kinds of experiences. Oh, absolutely. It's basically kind of doing what you love and then the positive reinforcement of everyone. Like, I'm really into this, that you're doing what you love. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah, Get it. Magnus, how do they work? Catch those thermoses. I love it. Yes, exactly. so, um, obviously, we are currently in a pandemic as of when we are recording this. Uh, mm-hmm. When this goes up in two weeks and we're not, that would be great, but it's not going to happen. We're in, yeah. the, we're in for the long haul, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, so, what, do you, what are you guys doing to stay busy? I know some burlesque performers are doing online shows, or they are performing online, or they are recording videos to put up online, or, or leaning into other arts while they can. Are you guys working or doing things to keep the creative muscle flexing while you're stuck at home yeah I mean I'm a graphic designer so I've been going back to doing like more design work illustration animation and then I've also been like streaming to be social with friends as well and that's been super fun of just trying to talk to a void audience Mm -hmm. and just having fun and just shitting shooting the shit yeah um so far in this with burlesque I've been a part of a Star Wars uh, made the fourth show, um, and that one I just used a recording of a performance from two years ago. Yeah. When when whenever uh, the Last Jedi came out, how did it feel? Uh, it was weird. I've rarely put only time I've ever put videos up online is basically to apply to a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very um, weird. A, a lot of people do. Much like hearing your own voice, seeing yourself, um, I only see the mistakes yeah. where I mess up. Um, That's everyone. It's everyone, but everything ever. So I rarely, ever. I rarely put video up, and when I do, it's for a purpose to like get into a festival or to um, really polish yourself. So I always have a critical eye when I do it. Uh, so this was the first time I put a video up online. Um, luckily. Uh, this particular performance, we had um, somebody in the audience related to the production film the number, just the whole show, and then I think I had America uh, perf- like video my number two, so I could cut 
you know, I, I got back into my film school days of going into premiere and doing camera one, camera two, cut to camera two. Um, that way, because there's parts where, you know, someone's going to miss something. So that was something exciting to do is getting that itch of um, video editing again. Um, does, then Does it feel good to flex different muscles? Oh, yeah, no, it was doing? it was weird. I had parts of my brain that I haven't <laughs> operated since the early 2000s. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I forgot how much I dislike Premiere. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I haven't used it in 15-plus years, so it's all brand new. Mm -hmm. They've made that so much easier. I went to go to a menu to do something and was like, where did it go? Um, looked it up on a YouTube tutorial, and it was like, oh, wow, it's so much easier now. Um that's something I got to flex in the beginning of this, uh, you know, a month ago, roughly. Beginning of the month. Then, uh, the end of this month, I have uh, the first production I'm trying to put on in a streaming format. Uh, I've been streaming pretty much three days a week uh, doing live drawings. Uh, mm -hmm. In addition to being a performer, uh, I also occasionally have done comics in the past. Most More frequently, I'm a organizer for a group called the Philly Comics Jam. Uh, it's about an 11-year-old organization. I've been uh, either organizing it by myself or co-organizing it for the past nine years. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a monthly meeting of comic book artists, uh, generally more independent, uh, that we occasionally have had members that are way more famous than they should be in our organization. Um, we have a monthly meeting that's now also only online, uh, we have more people drawing this time. Anyway, uh, so I've been turning my weekly, my Trace Weekly streams into a drawing stream. Uh, kind of channeling like a Bob Ross feeling of like, hey, I'm just hanging out with you. You, the audience, suggest something to me, and I'll draw this picture. Um, from Mag Magical Girl Burlesque, uh, Betty Brash suggested a possum. Surprise. And, Shocking. For uh, anyone who knows her. Yeah. Total shock. I drew a picture. I, I told a story. Uh, I kind of riffed off of that prompt uh, about a story of a, of a possum at a bar I used to work at that would eat hot dogs out of our trash can. When we, you know, bars like sell hot dogs and stuff or used to. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one possum would steal them out of the trash can. So we would sit on the fence eating hot dogs. Idle. So I drew a picture of a possum eating a hot dog. Um, so that's been flex allowing me to flex my like dormant skills, um, and from that, I'm also trying to go into a streaming show. Uh, recently, uh, in the past year, I noticed there were uh, a lack of. We would have like the dichotomy of uh, the binary of a burlesker and a boylesker, a drag yeah. king mm -hmm. and a drag queen. Like there might be a drag queen show, but there's going to be like one, maybe two kings in the show. Or it's going to be a drag king-only show. There's no boylesquers in your show. Um, and there was... I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see in that kind of that, that realm. Uh, so right. I decided to come up with a show uh, called the, the Miscellaneous Masculine, or the Misc Mask. And uh, I'm putting on, at the end of this month, a digital version of that and I think tonight is the deadline? Question Ooh, mark? Never forget. Well, what, never forget. It's also, it's as we record this, it's currently 9-11. Um, but 
I'm going to actually, because this is coming out way after that point, I'm going to extend the deadline by a day or two, because I know there's like two people that haven't applied that said they were going to. So right. I'm going mm-hmm. I'm going to move the, the, the fence post. Is that the expression? Goal post. The goal post. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know sports. Fence post, goal post, whatever. I don't yeah. play sports. I'm going to move the sports ball further down the line. Yeah. Um, no, because I was like, he didn't apply. Uh, so I'm going to move that a little bit further down the line, because at this point, uh, you can make a show a little bit longer. Um, I don't need to bullshit on the microphone as the host for five minutes so somebody can get ready to get on stage. <laughs> that's that's <Right>. a dream. <laughs> yeah, I can I can make a show that is a tight, you know, 69 minutes. Um, nice. Nice. Um, and not have to worry about, like, going over. Like, you know, a two-hour show has only really about 45 minutes to of a performance time. Like I've, I've looked at the details and the data on the the playlist. Like Mm -hmm. it's not that long. So I can make it a little, I can put more people in an hour span of time. And if you stretch it to like 75 minutes, really, no one's really going to care. But the weird part about that is payment. That is the trick. The tricky part in this new uh, landscape is figuring out how do we pay people? The more people we have in a show, obviously the less uh, everyone gets paid. Um, And it's a lot. I do. I've been in shows where I feel like sometimes people in in the physical space feel it's easier to tip digitally. So, um, how is it in a digital realm only? Do people feel more inclined to tip to everyone or just their friends? Uh, this is my first time doing it, so it's a very uh, you know new frontier for me. I've been talking to a few people about their experiences in their digital shows. Um, yeah, but no, I just kind of wanted to put something out there because um, I noticed there were shows that had same thing. I was seeing shows that only had um, one person that was on the more masculine side of the spectrum, um, and that includes performer or performance. Because uh, I do have some performers that are that have applied that normally skew if on the binary side to more femme, applying with a number that skews more masculine. And I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. I've never seen you do that. I've seen pictures. I want yeah. to see something like that. I trust you as a performer. So, like, give me that energy. For sure, yeah. I mean, and going back to what you said before, like, we're also in a weird time for dealing with money. Lots of folks have lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Lots of mm-hmm. folks who are in, who had day jobs lost their jobs, as well as nightlife and, and entertainment folks lost their jobs. And, like, yeah. I have... Uh, Patreon, you know, I have a Patreon and I do a Patreon request at the start of every show because I thank people who pay at a certain level. They get a shout out like Mm -hmm. and I find myself now like in the preface saying, hey, I have a Patreon if you can. Great. But otherwise, really just like and subscribe and share the show like that's more useful because like it's it's weird to ask for money now. But just the same, like if you're doing, you know, I'm sure we all agree, if you're doing some sort of service or art, you deserve to get paid for it, whatever that payment exactly. is. Absolutely. And so, like, you know, I my podcasts have always been free, but, like, that's not where I ask for money. I ask for money when I'm streaming or, you know, on mm-hmm. my Patreon because that's, like, if you're into, if you're listening to more than two or three of my podcasts, I feel it's fair to ask for a dollar a month. I don't think it's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But all the same, again, I know a lot of folks are going through things. So, like, if people cancel their Patreons or say, I can't, like, 
I'm not going to get upset because it's it's hard. And when you're managing or producing a show, that gets even harder, right? You want to mm-hmm. make sure the the performers get paid, even if you as the producer don't. Like, you want to make sure that at least the performers are getting something for what they're doing. And so, you know, I I, I understand and respect the fact that you're trying to navigate that because it's not easy. You know, you want you want to be kind to those who are going through a hard time right now, but just the same, you're trying to do a business, as um, mm-hmm. Vincent, adult man, would say. You know, you need <laughs> to do a business. It's it's integral. Um, one of the last questions I actually really wanted to ask is, you know, you've been doing burlesque a while. I mean, because I feel like even. Th- you know, two or three years is a long time in the scope of things. Like when Brett, so you said you were doing it for 10 years. I've been DJing for almost 11 years and it just yeah. doesn't feel like a real thing. Like I feel like it's fake and I'm a fake, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah. a typical artist, you know, yeah, I'm exactly. a fraud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I'm curious with all the wealth of experience you have and, and the incredible acts that you've put together, is there anything that you haven't done that you want to do in burlesque or, Alternatively, is there an act that you just can't get right? Whether it's the music doesn't fit right or the character, like, is there something you either want to do that you haven't or that you can't do that you wish you could figure out and that you're working on? Well, um, I mentioned it briefly. Uh, a in- giant influence on mine is uh, Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. and something that's in the scope of what he would do, but not necessarily I'm doing a riff on Andy. Like, I don't want to be a cover band, uh, because at, in the weirdness of my career, I judged a comedy competition for stand-ups, and there was, like, one of the week's prompts was, like, uh, like homage of sorts, and this guy did um, a straight just the Mighty Mouse routine mm-hmm. and it was just it's even like a cover band kind of does puts their own spin on it for sure yeah. like so it didn't feel genuine in the same kind of way like you know if you're riffing on that like if the if you lose the audience why not pull out the great Gatsby and start reading it like be in the same wheelhouse but not the same thing uh, I yeah. know this uh because I started talking about wanting to do a number as Andy, and I think somebody told me at one point, uh, Hard Corey mm-hmm. had a number as Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And I was like, shut it down. I don't need to do an Andy Kaufman number. Uh, so I've been taking abstract influences and kind of mashing them together, uh, one being Andy Kaufman, and the other being, for some reason, uh, I wanted to do a Plastic Man number. But yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah, I was like plastic I, man. That's that's my that's, that's your white whale. Buddy. That's my white whale. <laughs> I don't know how to do it without right. it being too um, super prop heavy. Like I need right. to have an entire spandex arm that stretches out across the audience. I need right. to blow my body up like a balloon. Um, like there's some just logistics. So I started sketching out ideas of like, what if I combined. Annie Kaufman's transition from, uh, you know, a foreign man into Elvis, like how he takes the jumpsuit. And that's a straight up burlesque number. He zips down the edge of his, uh, the work, uh, coveralls and it turns into a jumpsuit. It turns into that Elvis, like, Oh, thank you very much. Like kind of jumpsuit. Um, 
And, you know, Plastic Man has a pompadour. He has basically, like, Elvis glasses. How do I combine these, like, co- these characters together in my brain and make it, like, a Bretzo number? Uh, so that that is my white whale in that case. That's awesome. I, I would love to see it if it ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's There's times where I would just look up, like... Because I also have this weird fascination. Um, I mentioned Devo before. Uh, they're... Uh, one of their albums, they changed the look up from having the energy domes to wearing John F. Kennedy wigs. These like plastic shellacked hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been trying to find a, a rubber wig that's kind of, because Elvis wigs are a very popular one too. Sure. Um, but I, you know, uh, Cool Keith and Black Elvis wears yeah. a Black Elvis wig. Um, like taking that idea of like this hair that doesn't move and making it like something different. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, from, I guess for me, it would be uh, Gundam 78 too. I want to be a Gundam very badly. Like I just, That's awesome. <laughs> like, it, it just, it's in my head, like, the costume, the idea, like, the bullshit showgirlness of being a Gundam. But the music and everything else, like, I, I don't know how that's going to look. Yeah. I don't know how the audience will react to it, but I don't think that matters for them. But this is just for me. <laughs> Just me wanting to be a Gundam on stage. That that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like there's this camaraderie and burlesque performers all wanting to be some kind of android on stage at some point. Like mm-hmm. a weird act that I've always wanted to do if I ever performed burlesque, which at this point I don't know will ever happen. I've always wanted to do a Proto Man act from Mega Man. Okay, Ooh. like he's he's got the long yellow scarf and the mm-hmm. sunglasses on the helmet. It's very like cool guy burlesque, but like. And, like, I don't know if I'd do it to Mr. Roboto. That feels a little on the nose. But, like, I've always yeah. been, like, like if I were to ever do the kind of cool guy, like, sex appeal act, I still want it to be goofy on some level. And I feel like Proto Man or Zero from Mega Man X are both, like, cool yeah. characters that I could be goofy in that might be fun. Um, I have no idea what song I would, I would do or anything. But it's just an idea that's always it. been floating around in the back of my head. That's what I like about Nerdless so much. Is like it's the horny part of deviant art. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the lie, though? That's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's amazing. Well, uh, before we wrap up, first, I of course want to thank you both for being on the show. This has been a blast chatting with y'all. Oh, thank you. Um, why don't you tell our incredible audience where each of you can be found and maybe like stuff they can check out, anything you want to pitch, your Twitch, your Twitter, whatever. Like, here's your chance. Pitch away. Go ahead, Bretzo. Uh, so I am Bretzo, Mr. The Amazing, but you can just simply search Bretzo, B-R-E-2-T-Z-O. Um, I pretty much have, like, I think I'm, try- I'm trying to, like, consolidate all the, the handles down to one. Uh, so usually it's either The Bretzo or Bretzo. Uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitch now. Uh Basically that. Uh, if you yeah, just I like to always say just googling me. Uh, <laughs> there there are a bunch of random ass articles oh, because yeah, when are. I when I started as my current generations like one of the first burleskers boyleskers, uh, the novelty was there. So there are articles from Philadelphia presses Yo. about how burlesque isn't just for the ladies anymore. 
Oh my god, when I had a crush on you, like, before we started dating, I googled you, and it was just look at your fucking bullshit-ass articles about Bretzo. <laughs> Amazing. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy. <laughs> this, is the, this is the guy I want to spend the rest of my this, life with. This, this is asshole. This, this, this is guy. it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, plugs for me. Back to me. Um... I'm mostly on Twitch right now, so I'm just streaming, like, Katamari, GeoGuessr, Deadly Premonition, a bunch of bullshit fun games. So if you just want to come unplug, I'm AmericaOnline at AOL.com. Super easy to remember. Oh, that's dot. D-O-T. D-O-T. You have to spell it all out. Gotta spell it all out. Gotta spell um, it all out. Amazing. <laughs> well, I will be sure to add you to my host list. Um, oh. So when you're streaming, it'll show up on my page. Can't guarantee it'll get you any viewers, but at least I can I can support in solidarity. Um, I appreciate having you both on so much. Um, oh, I've thanks for having f- us. A, f- a fan of both your work for a long Aww. time, Aww. and like whenever we hang out in meet space, it's always a blast. And I'm looking forward to eventually do that again. Um, oh yes, yes. At some point when you know the apocalypse is done. But that said, um, I, I now want to have you guys close the show. I know you've listened to a few, but I'll give you a quick reminder. We have a saying on the show, which is, music is life and life is good. It's this idea that if you're creating art, life, even at its worst, isn't that bad. And so usually with two guests, I'll split it up. So if, Brett, so you want to say music is life, and then in America, you want to say, and life is good, we'll sign off on that. So if you all can do my catchphrase, I'd be really appreciative. Music is life. And life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K.A. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming.